Welcome to Africa at the United Nations. Back in 2017, when I made my first appearance at the General Assembly as the newly elected president of Ghana, I said neither Ghana nor Africa wanted to be scars on anybody's conscience. I said we want to build economies that are not dependent on charity and handouts because long and bitter experiences have taught us that no matter how generous the charity, we would remain poor. One year on, although infection rates and deaths are relatively lower in the region, the virus's impact on economies and livelihoods has been damaging. The pandemic has also shown us that the, that the great advances in science and technology notwithstanding, we still have a lot to learn and discover about the human body and about life. Thus far, in spite of the grisly predictions of dead bodies littering the streets of Africa, and in spite of not having as much access to vaccine as the developed world, Africa seems mercifully to have escaped the worst of the COVID death rates. And for that, we thank God. One unfortunate development appears to be the recent measures on entry into some countries in Europe, which suggests that Covishield, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine manufactured in India, is not recognized by these countries. What is intriguing is the fact that this vaccine was donated to African countries through the COVAX facility. The use of vaccines as a tool for immigration control will be a truly retrogressive step. Even before the pandemic outbreak, many had concluded that the current structure of global economic cooperation, designed some 77 years ago, has proven inadequate to finance infrastructure and economic transformation in developing countries. Given the incapacity of the global financial system to produce the necessary outcomes to finance sustainable development, we need a constructive review. COVID-19 provides a great chance to rethink global economic cooperation based on the principles of mutuality, equity, sustainability, and collective prosperity envisaged by the SDGs. There is no question but that if the famous gathering in San Francisco was to take place today, it would be a significantly different United Nations Charter that would be written. In much the same way, a World Bank or IMF or WHO that is born today would be radically different institutions from those that were set up after the World War. As many of the countries in today's world, especially in Africa and the Caribbean, were not present in San Francisco. African governments have already spent scarce reserves fighting the pandemic and providing social protection to millions of affected households. Ghana has been advocating that innovative financing must also address structural challenges beyond responding to immediate fiscal needs by providing mechanisms to facilitate investments in health infrastructure, technology, the environment and people that would bolster resilience and equitable recovery. The IMF's unprecedented $650 billion United States 
SDR allocation offers a unique opportunity to provide additional financial resources to address the vast and surging inequities the pandemic has revealed and a crisis to come. Africa's allocation is some 33 billion United States dollars. If ever there was a time for an African master plan, it is now. The SDR infusion should be seized upon as a catalytic effort to leapfrog Africa to the next level of human development and ensure sustained global prosperity. African leaders have advocated for a prudent and transparent channeling of 25 to 35% of SDRs, that is 160 to $230 billion from wealthier to vulnerable countries, $100 billion of which should be dedicated to Africa. We welcome the support of the European countries represented at the Africa Summit in, in France, the IMF, the G7 and G20 to some SDR redistribution. Mr. President, proceeds of channeled SDRs should fund vaccine acquisition and manufacturing, climate and green investments, and a pan-African stability mechanism like the European Stability Mechanism that will safeguard financial stability on the continent. A part of the redistribution should also help fund the recapitalization of the African Development Bank and Afri Exim Bank to support industrialization, private sector job creation, and the African Free Trade, Continental Free Trade Initiative. Thirdly, we must reposition key multilateral organizations and international financial institutions such as the United Nations, the other Bretton Woods institutions, and the G20 to reflect inclusiveness, support country investments in global public goods, and ensure fast-track financial support to build back better and prepare for future pandemics. For instance, the key to the G20's effectiveness is that it achieves representative coverage of the global population and economy with a diversified enough number of leaders at the table to enable speed and flexibility in deliberation and decision-making. Admitting the African Union to an expanded G21 would have the same galvanizing effect within Africa that the EU's participation in the G20 has within Europe strengthening policy coordination and coherence across the 54 African economies. With the African Union at the table, the group suddenly would have representation for 54 more countries, 1.3 billion more people, and 2.3 trillion more output. This extraordinary increase in representation will add just one seat to the table and about 10 minutes to the discussion. However, it will redefine global policy coordination to enable a more prosperous, inclusive, and sustainable world to emerge. I thank you for your attention. Did you like this speech? Let us know in the comments below. Thanks for watching. Visit our YouTube channel Tunacheki to watch our daily news reports and our website tunacheki.tv for all our latest news updates.
You can directly support this new series by becoming a YouTube member or becoming a Patreon. And remember, Africa is watching.